Welcome to the Power of Being You podcast, where we interview people who are out in the world creating change by being authentically themselves. Come along with us as we discover tips and tools that you can use to shine your brilliance even brighter. I'm Sarah Grandinetti, and I'm excited to explore the power of being you. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Power of Being You podcast. My name is Sarah Grandinetti. I'm your host, and I'm so excited to have a creative genius with me today. She is a huge gift in my life in creation and in friendship and inspires ideas that um, not many would even know to think of. And I'm really grateful to have her here. So a little bit about my friend Meredith. She is a contemporary dancer, teacher, and choreographer based in Canada. She has created pieces about giraffes, girl guiding, exploring constellations, superheroes, female identity, and the impacts of gender socialization. Her work is toured to China, the U.S., and across Canada. She has also taught across Canada for the last 18 years and is most inspired by bringing dance to all bodies and providing a way in for people to enjoy the experience of being in their body. Beyond the dance studio, she loves hanging out with her three nieces and nephew and inviting adults to listen to kids as their own best voices. Thank you for being here, Meredith. Hello world. (laughs) (laughs) So what we wanted to, well, Meredith got, and I got to chatting. And then the other day she, she messaged me. She's like, Sarah, I saw this movie and it got, it brought up all this stuff. And um, I would love to have a conversation with you about it. And I was like, well, let's do it on the podcast. So do you want to tell us a little bit about what sparked why we're here today? Yes, absolutely. Uh, Beauty is such an interesting guideline to live inside of. And when we look at movies, I have been unpacking how much those have framed, how I see myself that I didn't really realize. And, um, and also spending my life in front of mirrors as a dancer. Mm-hmm. And a few years ago, Sarah gave me this incredible gift, which we'll talk about later, about whose points of views are being held in the mirror um, that had me start to enjoy seeing myself dancing rather than trying to avoid it as a dancer. Um, and should we talk about the movie? Is that where we should Yeah, go? yeah, let's do yeah. it. So I hope you see this movie. It's a Christmas movie, it's called Love Hard. It so brilliantly captures today and dating and the flying across the country to meet a man, which I will say, I think I've done two times, maybe. Wow. Needless to say, I'm single, so those didn't work out. (laughs) So uh, it really hit home, uh, the perspective of this woman who's from LA and she's beautiful and she's having an experience of dating and uh, what sparks the conversation with Sarah is that she flies to is it Lake Placid, New York. So it's like a small town, but she's from LA where she's not having a great dating experience. And she's on the phone with her friend back in LA because some drama has come up in her arrival. And her friend goes, you're in LA six? That makes you a Lake Placid 10. Go get him, tiger or something along those lines. And my jaw dropped. I was like, oh, <gasps> what is this rating thing that we in we operate in because the the actress is stunning and so 
should we start unpacking that one? <laughs> that well, yeah, I mean, what I would poke at first is, um, you know, you, you have called her, you told, you said she's beautiful and you said she's stunning. And by what standard do we get to even that, that someone's stunning or beautiful? It, it, it has a lot to do with good judgment and where the, the scale of zero to 10, where you land on this scale is all a good judgment scale. So do you match this world's version of beauty? And to me, that's also where we start to like, I think um, I'm pretty sure we started like doing the number scale, like in elementary school, like she's a total 10 or he's a six or, you know, whatever that is. And it's funny that you mentioned like your location and, and geographical location will also change your beauty standard or where you fall on the scale because it's like big fish, small pond kind of energy. Um, but where do we um, take what, and I'd love to hear what you have to say about this, because where do, you, where do we take what I think when we're kids, and I've talked about this in the beauty classes, is when you're a little kid, you do comparison from excitement and acknowledgement. So you're like, my friend has the prettiest long blonde hair. And then you're like, I have curly brown hair, like whatever. And you're like seeing the comparison, but from acknowledgement or from you know, adoration or whatever that is. And then somewhere it starts to turn, whether on yourself or on others or whatever into competition. Yeah. So what do you know about that? Like, do you, do you remember when you started, do you have a memory of when you started to judge your own beauty? I think it was in high school when uh, the internet was just starting to be a thing. And there was this website that someone created where they would do categories. So most beautiful, most beautiful girl in grade 10, most uh, uh, sporty girl. And so, like, I actually don't even know who created it, but you could go in and vote. So it was this thing, it was like, have you checked? It's up, it's up today. And you know, one time I was whatever, number three, and then you move up to number one and then you move down. But really, truly, it's kind of like the Wizard of Oz. The person who created it is a mystery. Like, I don't think they even ever self-identified in high school. <laughs> so that probably, in terms of it being outside of myself, like I was quite a tomboy, like I was wearing those Adidas track pants and like big sweatshirts and kind of hiding my physicality in grade 10. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, I'm a girl, I'm gonna wear a skirt. So there was that dynamic transition and I can see that that coincided with the online rating. Well, did, so up until that grade, Meredith, if someone asked you if you were beautiful, would you have said yes? Like, Ooh. like, like beyond the shadow of a doubt, yes? Hmm. say no it's well because I'm raising two girls right now and um, it's very interesting how each of them respond to that question um, I stopped telling them they're beautiful I started asking them you know years ago do you know how beautiful you are so that I could somehow like trick them into acknowledging it rather than telling them all the time um, but one of them um, is so quick to say yes and anybody else would be like wow she's full of herself like calm down there you know kiddo and the other one is like do you know how beautiful you are and she won't receive it and so it's interesting where our points of view create our realities around beauty and where do we pick up those points of view so question about 
that, like, do you remember having conversations when you were younger about beauty or um, picking up on beauty standards from your mom or lack thereof or whatever? Like, where, where did you get your beauty standard? Uh, I'm going to go save by the bell. I just wanted to be Kelly so bad. <laughs> or Betty and Veronica. Okay. And I'm Betty. Betty's nice. Betty doesn't have to dress up all the time, but she's beautiful. <laughs> or it's just an amount of time before Archie sees how beautiful she is. <laughs> That's so funny. Is that it is that parallel your your life with from that point of view? Yeah, I it's it's since uh unpacking I am like uh, like my how I see myself as beauty with you that I'm like, wow, I gravitate towards like natural, but as a judgment. Well, the reason I'm asking is actually, do you, the parallel, like, do you, do you like the surprise attack of someone seeing how beautiful you are eventually? <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> surprise. I see you. Yeah. Right. Well, because what, what comes first? What comes first? Our point of view, yeah. right? Or the reality that gets created from it, right? So we think that the, this reality creates our point of view. We think that it happens to us. And then we're like, well, see, I can give you all the evidence of why I have this point of view about me because here's the, you know, here's the beauty magazines, here's Hollywood, here's social media, and here's why I'm a six. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but if you grew up like the, the, one of my daughters who just like knows she's the shit, um, her whole reality then has rippled out to have like every boy have a crush on her. All the girls adore her. She's just creating this reality of like knowing her value, knowing her beauty, knowing she doesn't have to compare it to anybody else's. And I'm just like watching it. Like, can I be you when I grow up? <laughs> like, I see that. So, um, that's why when you said that, I was like, wow. I wonder if when you were watching the, it was Archie, is that show called Archie? I can't remember. Yeah, like um, mostly the Betty and Veronica comics when I was growing up. Oh, okay. When you were watching that, was it that that gave you the point of view or did you already have, have the point of view where you aligned with that character? Wow. Interesting. <laughs> hmm. Damn. Yeah. And then I go, I go back before that, like, because I've spent my life on the stage. And so my mom was, you know, when I had to go and do a performance, she, it, you could just get your hair done normally, but she would book an appointment at a salon. Like it had to be the best and the most beautiful, or she'd add to my costumes, but I found it so embarrassing. I was like, I don't want to stand out, like, stop it. So talk to me. Will you tell me about that? Um, how much, what do you know about our desire to never stand out and how that creates how we show up? Oh, um, it's been, I mean, it's, it's showing up huge in my teaching and my choreography and being with young kids. So I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, if you look at a group of children playing, would you want them all to, 
know that they were equal and felt the same? Like, or would you want them all to know that they're celebrated for their difference? <laughs> it's like the second one, but when I observe myself and until the last few years of actually <laughs> unpacking this, it was like, oh no, oh no, 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 be like others. Um, because it feels like you'll be a threat if you're too big, but that's the total lie. Yeah. And it's also, it, it has us buy into the lie of like being safe. Yeah. Somehow. Um, I, I know that like, I remember, um, I was also a tomboy and I played a lot of sports and I always excelled. And I remember the first time they had like made the new rule that everybody gets a, a trophy. Like it doesn't matter. Everybody gets a trophy. And I remember how hard I had worked that season. I was maybe like 10 years old or whatever, but I'd worked really hard. Um, um, I was like eat, eat, eating and sleep. This was in softball. And I was like eating and sleeping the sport as they say, you know, like getting up early and going out to like play catch and getting, staying late after practice to, you know, work on my swing. And, and I remember um, standing there and watching the kids who like really didn't care, who were being dragged to the sport, like receive the same trophy as me. Yeah. And it was, it was this desire of, Hey, everybody's equal and we're not. And so like to me, and, and I get from a parent's perspective, like you want your kid to, you know, have some sort of recognition for even going out and trying, but it's like, when we do that, we start to cut off, um, like we cut down the tall poppies in whatever form we're in. Right. So the kid who like could care less about sports and was sitting on the bench actually is really good at something else. But if we start giving them a trophy for sitting on the bench, we have now equalized. And so now when that kid's like, oh, you know, I could just sit on the bench and, and get a trophy. Then when he goes over to play in the orchestra or she, you know, because she's actually really good with instrument, you know, musically, she might go, oh, yeah, sitting on the bench is, you know, how I got the last trophy. And then there's so there's no longer like, hey, be the greatness of you. It's, hey, be the same as everybody else. And then you'll be safe. And I think a lot of us also parent or or coach or teach or anything like that from that place of um, our own insecurities of when we were singled out or how we were taught to like never be the tall poppy or never shine brighter than others, that then we also hand that down in however we're being with kids. So can you talk a little bit, and this might be like a left turn, I think this is left, a left turn from our like original conversation, but when I know you're super passionate about um, exploring that with kids through dance. And I know you had some really cool experiences during COVID um, uh, teaching classes online and such like that. Can you talk a little bit about like, what, what do you wish, like, cause you don't have any of your own kids. And I love that you still look at how to be a gift to kids, even though you don't have, cause a lot of people don't. So can you share with us like what, what approaches you've taken and what you kind of wish like all teachers or coaches or counselors of any kind in, in children's lives, like what would you love them to know? Yeah. Um, I think it's so, I'm like, it's so cool. I'm like, boop, 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 connecting all the, all the dots of like, even when do, when do we create competition? So when I see a kid, I actually, and I didn't realize I was doing this inherently until I started telling the tools of access is like, I actually just acknowledge their being. So when I see them, I'm like, hi, and it's amazing. You see this light, like just feels 
feel seen and they are seen, but it's not from this place of that they aren't that if I don't do it. It's you're acknowledging what's there. And then they're like, thank you for seeing me. <laughs> and when you do that with a group of children, all of a sudden they're like, oh, I can, I'm here and so-and-so's next to me, but I'm not competing for Miss Meredith's attention. Because there, well, in that, in that acknowledgement, there is no like the teacher talked to her, but not me, because they're all, they all feel seen. Um, that's a huge one. And then um, this is a big shift is, is I've taken the perspective to never talk to a student as if I know more about their body than they do. And that's tricky. This, this, this one, especially that was such a great question about educators because it, when I would bring this up at first that they would be like, excuse, excuse me, but I have this degree <laughs> or all these years. And so I just reframe it. I go, you've been here on this earth longer. You have information. That doesn't mean you know more about that child's body. You have information you can give them but it really undoes that, I think, extreme damage <laughs> of talking to the body like it's wrong and that they don't know and that uh, they only know if you say, because that's everything <laughs> we're trying to unpack about the world. It's not working. <laughs> it is sourcing validation outside of, disconnection from experience and, and this, this, like these cells and being able to like trust themselves for like, their experience rather than their experience through me. So, uh, and that one, it's amazing. So the, this is another thing I've been unpacking is like the construct of teacher is like the energies flowing out. So teachers that kind of go into burnout or like, I'm giving everything to these kids and they're ungrateful, like, that's, <laughs> you know, all the, all of that. You don't know how much I do for you as your teacher. Or your um, parents. Or your parent. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, yeah. one of the things that I, and I, along the same lines as you, is like when I talk about parenting, one of the things I say a lot is like, you know, when you start like a new job, there's someone that's been there longer. Like they know, you know, the mail system, they know how to answer the phones. They know when the delivery trucks come or whatever your job is. Right. And so if you start there, you're going to learn from them for the information they have from that job because that's their job to hand you information about this job, but you're not teaching them how to be a person. Like you're not teaching them how to eat. You're not teaching, you know, so to, from a parenting perspective, I'm always looking at like, Hey, what information, like you said, can I give my kid about what I know, but not with the, um, the influence that a, like the parental society, <laughs> there's a whole society of parentals. Um, often wants to do it, which is down. Like I'm superior because I, I, I know more because I'm the adult and you're the kid. What if it was like training a coworker? Like you're giving them information um, across. Yeah. And so they then at the same time, when it's like that, you can actually receive information from the child that you didn't think you could, that you actually, you know, uh, assumed maybe wasn't there that could have you grow too, like a new employee going like, Hey, what if we, what if we filed the mail this way? And then you're like, Oh, that's way more brilliant than what we've been doing for 20 years, you know? Um, so I, I absolutely, absolutely love that. Um, and it's so, it's so, if I can add to that, it's so interesting. Cause it's yeah. like, they, 
it, they're active, they're included in the class, which is also something that you taught me dynamically is like, do you include yourself in your creations? And I was like, do I include the students in the creation of the class? Like even rather than like, this is the class plan, let's get it done. And then that's usually when they'll create roadblocks to derail if I'm doing extreme control. But the other thing is the frustration of like, you're not, I have this wealth of knowledge and you're not using it. The, the experience of acknowledging that they know and I have information, it's almost like they pull it out of my head. And it's so much more fun to teach because I'm not like shoving it down their throats. I'm just like, I'm this encyclopedia of dance experience. What, what do you require? Like a, like a Harry Potter and the, take this thread. Like it's fun, it's dynamic. Um, it has no agenda, it just has growth and space. So we talked, <laughs> thank you for that. We, we talked about um, beauty, competition. We're now talking with kids and these all, all of these things about kids and how to um, contribute to them. And all of these things play together so brilliantly. Um, I'd also like to talk about like dance, beauty, because as you mentioned, you know, you go to those dance shows and the girls dress way up. Their eyelashes are on point stronger than mine, right? Um, and where the competition of dance, um, what the gift is in that and how we can contribute to our kids doing competition, not from separation, but from the joy of it. So I'm wondering if you can play with all that. And then also I'd love to include bodies in this conversation. So, yeah. um, you know, and you've already said like, you know, not to have our, not to imply that we know more about this kid's body than they do, which gives them a knowing and empowers them to know what they know. Um, so, what do you do when, or how do you approach when one kid is succeeding at something that another kid isn't and what that actually does? Ooh, <laughs> that's such a great question. Um, I think uh, it's, it's when we talk about like the, the energy on words. So uh, for when I first was wanted to even the scales in the dance studio, it's almost like I pulled acknowledgement out. I was like, nope. But then the kids were kind of confused because they were like, but she's not saying anything. And I was like, okay, this isn't creating. <laughs> this isn't the creating the result because yeah, I'm I'm like almost devaluing their reality. So I was like, oh, if I'm speaking from when we acknowledge something in so and so it actually creates more of it. And so sometimes I'll share that reframe of, of, and I'll even say that, I'll say, if I acknowledge so-and-so, like, does what they're doing become bigger or diminished? And the kids are like, oh, bigger. And I was like, so I'm not asking you to dance exactly like so-and-so, but like the quality that she's swinging her leg with or extending her leg with, can you, um, take what you see in that and try it on. And that's the other thing is like debunking copying. There's this huge judgment in dance of like, don't, don't you dare copy. So then you do side eye. You're like, I have no idea what this exercise is right now. So like harsh pretending. It's like, I'm thinking about dinner. I don't know what we're doing right now. And I'm 13 and I'm embarrassed and I'm not going to put my hand up and ask the teacher. So like the amount of stress and the like limitation that puts on the self. 
So I actually say to the kids um, to, it's almost like you jump in someone else's body to try on what they're doing. Because also sometimes with we acknowledging neural pathways, like if I see that a kid is limited in like something's not connecting and it's not like, it's not wrong, but it's just not there, then to get them to observe can take them out of their physical stress of whatever is coming up for them. Because it's not my job to process that and like solicit that in a class of 10 girls, you know, like it's just to continue to be space while I can see them like hitting their limitations. So almost creating a distraction for them of observing someone else. And it's, but it's in the language. It's not being like, they're doing it better. <laughs> so it's when you're like, can you see this? How, how would that be on your body? So it brings them back to themselves, which then takes away comparison and competition. Yeah. yeah. And the body. Yeah. I love that. And I, like I, I dealt with this with my youngest cause she was getting teased a lot in school about like being a late bloomer with reading and writing, but she's the kid that can come up and just put her hands on you and change something with your body. She's also the kid that, you know, the weather has gotten intense and she's like, no. And then the thunder stops. And so I'm, I'm like, wow, like this world is, is, is taking this magical being and then trying to fit her into this box to judge her by because they don't understand her. And, um, and so one time for me, like, I just took the pressure off. It's like, I don't care if you ever read or write. Like, I, like, I, I know you will eventually, but I, like for me watching you play with magic and your capacities and how you see the world is the gift you are to the world. And so while other kids are, you know, or teachers are, you know, uh, projecting at you that you're wrong or you're bad at this, like just because some other kid is great at math does not mean that that's your strength. Like your strength might be changing the weather. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, and what if you didn't have to look at someone else's strength to find where you fit on that scale? What if you can look at your scale as your own scale? And we could all do this as even adults, you know, this is the power of being you podcast. It's not the power of being someone else. It's the power you have when you actually look at what your capacities are and not ever have to compare them to someone else's, which I know is like hopes and dreams. But when you, what I know with like the being you tools that I love so much is when you really start to exercise that being you muscle, you start to become aware when you're mimicking, when you're copying, when you're doing the thing that other people want you to do because you're afraid of the judgment, but you know, it's not right for you. Um, and you just stop yourself. And then one of the questions we can give here on the, um, on this podcast is if I were truly being me here, what would I choose? What would I be? What would I do? What would I say? And even if you're not willing to choose it, here's the other caveat that I don't know if I say very often, get the awareness of what it is, even if you won't choose it. So if it's like, you know, right now, if I were truly being me, I would chop this person's head off. Okay. You're not going to choose that right now. But if you had the awareness, then you're like, okay, cool. Now you have more of the awareness of you versus this reality or the judgment or the other people or the, you know, projections and expectations. And you go, okay, cool. At least you have the awareness, you know, rather than just like, um, melding all the colors together. Like I was having a conversation with uh, Dr. Dane here, the author of the being you changing the world book also happens to be my older brother the other day. And he was talking about like when we merge colors, you know, like there's like the primaries, the secondary, the tertiary colors, but if you put all the colors together in one pot, do you know what you get? You don't know. 
you poo. Oh, you poo. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> like if you Matt, if like if you look at all the colors that are possible in in a rainbow, that is is basically you know, um, never ending because mixing colors can be just a dot of one color will change the, the color scheme. So if you look at that, and if you were to take all of the possible colors and put them in one pot, you would get this muddy, mucky brown, kind of like my sweater, but not as pretty, um, brown color. It just like, it has no life. It's just like grayish brown. And you're like, Oh, where did all the vibrancy go? But that's basically what we're doing when we're trying to get everybody to equalize and be the same because we're just making everybody look like poo. There you go. You can quote me on that, kids. <laughs> okay. Um, so Meredith, one of the questions I ask everybody on the podcast is the show's title is The Power of Being You. If you were to write the show's description, what would you say the power of being you is? Hmm. Oh, no pressure, girl. Just be you. <laughs> Carving you. Um, it's like all the things that you do and don't think about, like the, the, not the do and don't think about, but all the things that you do and you don't think about, and you don't realize they're changing the world or impacting people um because they come so naturally to you and so like you think doesn't everybody do this uh I just think that's <laughs> that lightness that total uh you don't even have to think about it you're just doing it that is the biggest gift to <laughs> being in the world and kids do it naturally and so do adults because we're big kids we just are remembering. <laughs> yeah. We just forget sometimes. And I, I love that too, because it's the simplicity of the ripple effect. Right. So a lot of times, you know, people, and I know I was one of those people, I can't change the world. I'm like, I'm one person. I don't have all the money and I didn't become a politician. So clearly I don't have a choice, you know, um, I don't have that available to me, but what I know is that every kindness, every conversation like this, every invitation to something greater, even if it's just going to a better restaurant this time, like whatever it is, every, every question I'm willing to put in the world that opens up and sparks something else has a ripple effect out. And that's how we, um, that's how we change the world is to actually be more of that, which creates ripples. So I, I absolutely love that answer. Um, so if people want to find out more about you, get in touch with you, ask you questions about you. How can they find you? MeredithCallman.com. That's my website. Awesome. And it'll be in the show notes um, um, of this episode as well. So thank you so much. What? Before we go, the mirror thing. Should we say, so we don't leave them hanging? Oh yeah. What do you want to say about the mirror thing? Um, well, maybe I'll, we could just do a little talk through. So this happens, still happens sometimes is I'll go into the dance studio and and, you know, I have a practice of not really looking in the mirror, looking beyond, but then I'll look and I'll judge something about my body that is, you know, I know my judgments <laughs> and I'm, that's something I've never thought. So what's the, what's, what, what's the cue there? What's the, what, what's the, are you asking me? 
Yes. I mean, I know, but I want you to share it because you're so brilliant. No, you know, I'm going to drink my water. You tell me. <laughs> so the, so the brilliant thing, which I, so many <laughs> young girls and, and boys, they judge themselves too, um, is that to ask whose points of view are these? And then to know that you can clear them in the mirror. So if you're familiar with the clearing statement, you can say all the projections of, do you say locked in this mirror that I'm viewing myself through? I now just ran and create. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. Um, yeah, I would, I would say that to, you know, like to, and I know this, I'm going to say this cause I'm a woman and I know a woman's experience. I haven't gone shopping with very many men, but if you've ever just had one of those days, um, uh, where you go shopping and like nothing looks good and you're just like, oh my God, I need to go home and starve myself because nothing is fitting my body and you're in so much judgment. I had one of those days where I was shopping for some event and it was just like, oh my God, it didn't matter what I got brought into my um, dressing room. I hated myself. I hated my body. And I was like tearing up and I just decided I didn't want to go to the event. I don't want to have anything to do with this stupid thing. Take me away, you know? And then I remembered that tool and I stepped, I, so I took, I gathered up all the things I just tried on and I went into a different um, dressing room and didn't clear anything just to see what was different. And it was so wild that all those things that I had wanted to like rip the like rip the, the seams out of, cause I wanted to kill everybody, everybody who made that dress, they should all die. Anybody who you know what I mean? Like bought it for the store. They should die. The store manager should, manager should die. Everybody should die. <laughs> was my point of view. Um, but I, I put those things back on and in a completely different dressing room, same lighting, but same mirror. Well, same mirror, but not same mirror, but like meaning the same structure, if you will. I all of a sudden liked myself and I was like, wow, what is that? And, um, it very well could be that um, the energy of judgment was so thick and so solid in that other room for whoever had just been there. And I was picking up on that and putting it on and thinking it was me, which, um, so you can um, ask for all the projections, expectations, um, separations, judgments, and rejections of beauty that are in any of the mirrors that were there before you even showed up, you can clear that. But you can also ask that question that we gave you earlier, which is, if I were truly being me here, what would I see? If I were truly being me here with my body, what would I know is true about me and my beauty? And that, like, that's been a question I've been asking for the, like, I've, I've ever since I've facilitated the being you beauty class, I've been on my own, like my own personal journey with my beauty and my body. Um, just totally making like a different demand um, to not judge my body. Um, even if there are things I want to change, but to like, constantly be looking for what is beautiful about me now, regardless if nothing ever changed, you know, rather than going, Oh, I'll be beautiful then, or I'll be beautiful. I can get back to that. Or I'll be beautiful. When, if we could be beautiful now, then you and your body can create anything is what I know. So that on a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh. Well, thank you, my friend. I'm so grateful for you. Thank you everybody for joining. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Power of Being You podcast. If this conversation has been a contribution to you, please share, subscribe, or leave a review.
For more information about being you or to learn more about the amazing tools of Access Consciousness, you can go to www.accessconsciousness.com. How much fun can you have exploring the power that comes with truly being you?